The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. also one of your pastors. So welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, we're in the elephant series, uh, the elephant in the room. What's the elephant in the room? And uh, this has been such a powerful series because we get to talk about what we don't really like to talk about. Uh, and our guide is scripture. Um, our model is Jesus. Uh, I don't know, you know, where you're at, uh, who you are. Um, you do. Uh, And my hope is today that through the course of this uh, little sermon, maybe our eyes will be opened uh, to something uh, that can change in our life, change for the better, change for the glory of God. Uh, And and, and that the fear of delving into whatever it is, the elephant for you, uh, is erased. So that's the goal, right? Uh, Anybody notice the elephant laying down? out there. Uh, how many of you maybe had the inkling of, oh, I should stand that up real quick? Anybody? You got a control problem. <laughs> Just so you know. Uh, not really. Uh, there's a story in scripture. We're going to start here. Uh, there's so many of these little moments that happen and, and uh, they can encapsulate an entire uh, lifestyle in a moment. So, uh, Jesus is traveling with the disciples, and uh, they, they go to church, okay? Uh, they go to a Jewish synagogue, and in this synagogue, it, it's, it's amazing uh, because this thing happens that spoke to me profoundly. And there's this man, he's a Pharisee, is, is his title. That's a religious sect, uh, highly legalistic a group of people. And he comes in to worship, and he comes to the front, uh, and he's not like turning and addressing, but he's loud. He's loud as he speaks, and he begins to thank God that he is like he is. And he points out that there's this poor, wretched sinner in the back, and his response is, thank God that I'm not like him. Okay? So that's that moment. Uh, I've been a Pharisee. There are days I still am a Pharisee. And since it's the elephant in the room, there are days that you are too. Okay, so I'm going to pray for us. So if you'll bow your heads, Father, thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you for uh, the tiny, small stories and scriptures that could just speak volumes. They speak books. They speak so sweetly into our life. Father, my prayer during this elephant, the drunk elephant, Father, that that we take it personally, that we don't think about the family, we don't think about the kids or the dad or that we just look at ourselves and that we erase the desire to be a Pharisee, to say, well, I'm really not one of those because we are. 
we're wicked, fallen critters. And of all the good you've made, we have found brilliant ways to screw it up. So I ask that this elephant just be uh, really minimized, and that we have no fear. In your blessed name, amen. Uh, if you notice, there's little elephants here uh, on, the, on the outside. Those are cute, aren't they? Uh, we have some new technology here. It's, it's eye scanning, so you're actually being scanned at the moment. And when you look over there, that elephant waves his tail. And if you look over there, the, that one, you can't catch it, but you can try. So I'm giving you that so if this sermon is a little too, like, hard, you can just, you got something to do. Is that Okay. Uh, so we're going to go out of Ephesians today, Ephesians 5. There, there's just this incredible, beautiful advice. So listen well to the word of God. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 18. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. So he's saying the walk, okay, that's how you live. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best of the time, because you know you're going to die someday. This isn't forever. Okay, so we're going to make the best of this time in our life because the days are evil. Amen? Has anybody seen evil recently? Okay. None of you? Wow. You know, this is participatory. Uh, the more you uh, respond and raise your hand, the chances of me swearing are much greater. Okay. <laughs> so you may want to see that. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Instead, or but, be filled with the Spirit. So, our first thing we're going to talk about is this. Do not be drunk with wine. So, welcome to Legalism 101. It's not. I'm going to share a little bit of my story. Uh, uh, I've been at the Tabernacle for uh, a long time now, since it was a little place over there. Uh, and I thought I told everybody my story, but we've grown quite a bit. And so I realize there's some of you don't really know much about me. I'm a, uh, the youngest son of a pastor. Uh, and uh, I have three older brothers. And I have a foster sister who's older as well. I grew up in a wonderful family. Uh, my dad was a preacher that was uh, a gifted orator, uh, very gifted. Uh, and he, he had uh, churches that would grow wherever he went. Uh, I have no pain in my story. You know, I, don't, I wasn't abused. I wasn't hurt. My dad was not an alcoholic. My mom was not an alcoholic. Uh, but there was a lot of isms. I just didn't know that, uh, that were going on within the family dynamics. So as this child, this youngest child, I listened very intently, and I was a little theologian. I got it. I got it. The problem that I saw growing up was I didn't see what was being preached about loving others, putting God first, putting self second, thinking of others greater than themselves, having a life filled with joy. I didn't see that on the outside of church. Now, I saw it in my home, but I didn't see it outside of church. There was a disconnect somewhere. So we fast forward in life. Uh, I was highly active. I was, I was bouncing around all of the time. I, I really drove people crazy. I drove teachers crazy, my mom crazy, and my brothers crazy. I ended up spending a lot of time in my life in time out which is the worst thing you can do for a, a very active child. Go sit still. Didn't work real well. So what happens 
is my dad moves to Traverse City. My mom and my brothers, some of them too. And this church uh, explodes, Faith Reformed Church up in Traverse City. Still a powerful church. My dad was there for 20-some years. And during the course of that, I'm very much left on my own because, you know, back then we paid pre uh, preachers very little uh, and we made sure that they had to work at least 80 hours a week so they didn't get prideful, <sighs> right? What that meant for me was my dad was always gone. My mom was a little bit crazy uh, in some ways. I love her to death. She's an amazing woman. You would love her too, uh, except she had a clean fetish. Everything was very, very in place, dusted clean. The carpet was always manicured one direction. So I would get in trouble for walking through a room that I wasn't supposed to be in because you could see my feet print. I didn't figure that out until I was 15, but I never said I was quick, right? <laughs> Uh, so life is just life and I, I'm not feeling like there's this huge purpose or calling or anything, but something's missing. And I end up in a basement of a deacon uh, of our church. A deacon is like, uh, almost an elder, a fairly important person and him and his sons were good friends with me. Uh, we're in the basement while there's deacons meeting upstairs and somehow or other magically, we ended up with this large bottle of orange flavored vodka. That's classy stuff. <laughs> Tell you. Started out with a top shelf right away. So uh, here's what happened is, is I drank. I got drunk. I felt nirvana. This is how it should be. All is right. I am smart. I am intelligent. People like me. I'm funny. I have full confidence in me, little Tim, back then. I had full confidence in who I was. And it all resulted because of this magic called alcohol. So fast forward many years. Uh, I'm out in Arizona. Uh, I meet my bride, Heidi. Uh, she's sitting over there. And, and we get married and we do all the married stuff and we move around and we end up back in Traverse City. My wife uh, is, is, is uh, uh, a student and, and she loves school. She loves, she was the type, okay, she does have flaws. She was the one in class that would say, uh, hey, you forgot our homework, right? <laughs> so that was her. But she's beautiful. God has redeemed that. Uh, out of... Out of uh, my ineptness, because basically I was drunk or stoned or high. There isn't anything really I haven't tried. Uh, and anything out there that would alter my being, my wholeness, was what I chased after. Through all of those years, I never attained that first drunk feeling again. I came close. But I never attained that again. So I kept chasing. It must be, well, must, I should drink more. I should drink harder. I should drink more often. Uh, finally, life comes crashing down in a really sad story. Uh, and uh, I uh, am supposed to be taking care of our one-year-old. I'm home. Heidi has a great job. I have a terrible job. Uh, I'm home taking care of the son. I have this bottle of top-shelf liquor that somebody had bought me for Christmas. And I decided to have just a little bit. And the next thing I know, it's the morning. And I'm the drunk elephant. And I'm on the floor. I don't know where I am, what's going on. Finally, I figure it out. And there's a note that I find from my wife. And the note says, I took Dan and we're at your folks' house. It's like, oh, no. Not mom and dad. You know, I thought I was hiding everything really well. So uh, this little intervention thing happens. And you want to know what? This really, really, really pissed me off at the time. But uh, it was beautiful. My folks took her side. Can you believe that? 
They took her side. Uh, my whole family did. So I end up in a treatment program and boom, here we are 29 and a half years later. Uh, and I've been clean and sober the whole time, but I've been clean and sober the whole time, uh, by the grace of God. No, I don't, don't because uh, I'm, I'm still screwed up. Okay. Uh, it, it, it is a victory, but it, it, it's not a pretty story. It's not beautiful. It's not wonderful. Uh, I did not listen to the scripture of don't be drunk with wine. Had I not had this moment when my family couldn't watch silently anymore, I would still be out there using if I survived. So I had this moment where somebody had the courage. uh, They had enough love to set some boundaries. So I ended up in treatment. and, and then life went on from there. It was chaos. The first five years of sobriety were chaos. And my wife got heavily involved in a group called Al-Anon, and that's people who uh, lived or live with someone who can't stop. And uh, the wisdom that came out of there, and I had these old guys, they were really mean. Uh, they were my sponsors in AA. And, and they were amazing people. And the, the subtlety is uh, there, there's God in the program. And he's a loving God. He's an amazing God. He cares about me. He can give me strength when I don't have it. And so being this little theologian after a number of years, uh, probably too many years, I found Jesus at the AA tables. And it changed my life. It altered everything. Now I have purpose. Now I have this God and I really have a close relationship. So I got sober. That was good. Uh, but I was just absent of alcohol. It was all, nothing had changed. I still had the same feelings until I found Jesus. And it was a long journey. So don't be drunk with wine. Okay? I've lived it, and it doesn't work. And wine actually is terrible. It just tastes god-awful. So here's the question. Let's expand this just a little bit because right now, some of us are being a little bit like Pharisees, just a little bit, because you're going, well, it's not me. I'm glad I didn't go through that. Glad that's not me. Glad I'm not like that, right? And that's really not our heart, but there's a little part of our brain that's evil. Come on. We all have it. We do that, right? So here's, here's what I want to expand upon is, is what if we change it to don't be drunk with blank okay let's fill in the blank because we try to fill ourselves with something something isn't right maybe you've had the exact same feeling uh in the in in exodus there's this incredible story and it this story tells us that god gives us this thing called the ten commandments and if we summarize the ten commandments really quickly says he says i am god i am a jealous god And that means he's just jealous for you and your love. He's jealous for your betterment. He's he's jealous for your health, for your purpose. That's what he's jealous for. He's not a petty God, but he is a jealous God. He comes right out and says it. And he he, he says, uh, have no other God. Do not make them. Do not bow down to them. Do not worship them. See, it's time... To break the cycle. And that's why I'm so excited about this particular message. Do not be drunk with blank. 
Okay? Because it takes us out of the role of the Pharisee of going, I'm not like that, and we're going to start including you into this mess called humanity. And it's beautiful, and it's scary. You don't have to do it alone. Exodus 20, verse 5 says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, like your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So let's break this down real fast. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. When I was a kid, I can remember hearing that and hearing some of the stories about idol worship. And, and I'm thinking, how stupid are adults? I mean, really, you're going to carve something, and then you're going to worship that. Those people are stupid. That was my thought process. And then suddenly after recovery, me, uh, and, and moving on in life, I'm realizing there's a whole bunch of other unsatisfactory things in my life and I can't figure it out until these gentlemen at AA tell me, Tim, yeah, you're an alcoholic. We get it. You're a drug addict. We get it. You, son, have a worship problem. You're worshiping idols. It brought me right back here. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Well, how many people here hate God? Nobody. Okay. Scripture tells us implicitly, clearly, you can only worship one God. You will love one and hate the other. That little story is specifically about money, but it it expands far beyond just money. So these gods that sometimes we create control. Love of money, sex, power, sadness, loneliness, Facebook, yeah, Facebook, electronic devices. I mean, do you, you guys go to restaurants, right? You go out and you see people. And how many of you feel your soul get just a little bit crushed when there's a beautiful couple sitting there both together having a fantastic meal looking at somebody else? You're sitting there texting the person that's not in front of them. How many of us miss the opportunities and, and something feels good? Some of us have to see how many likes or how many friend requests we have on, on, on something. That's an idol. And we're trying to get that feeling, we're trying to get that meaning, that goodness about ourselves by that. Any God besides the creator of the universe is merciless and will never be satisfactory and they will always demand more of you. Think about control. Al-Anon is a, uh, a lot of it is about control, codependency. Uh, those who recover from alcoholism and are now living in a sober lifestyle following the principles of AA, if they're, if they're doing that, there's this sense of joy and there's this fulfillment. And it's never about self. See, I'm still really screwed up, and God keeps opening new doors and, uh, in, 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 into my weaknesses. 
and, and I, I want to pursue. I don't want to get old and stop. Some of my heroes have been some of the older people that are going, I want to change. That's stunning because most of us are absolutely terrified of changing anything. So here's something that, that AA offers that the church needs to learn implicitly. AA, if you would like to go use again, you are welcome to go. Nobody's going to hold you back. And then when your life crumbles and, and it gets really hard and you come back in the door, you're welcomed in. Glad you're here. I needed to hear that story of how hard it still is out there. Thanks for coming back. What did you learn? We're welcome. Can we help you? Here's my phone number again. Do you feel that way about church? Do you feel that way about church? Do you feel that you could go out and have a really crazy, wild, stupid weekend with whatever it is and, and create ruin, maybe be arrested, all of these things, that you can walk into this church, maybe humbled, but with your head still up, going, people are going to love me there. Do you feel that way? Because I don't always. I've seen a lot of times where it feels exactly the opposite, and we need to listen to Scripture. That is there for a warning, not for the other person, but for me. And if it's me walking in, I want you loving on me and I want you welcoming me. There's a lot of help that you can have. It's unbelievable how much service, when someone is there to share with you through the struggle, how much joy is given to those who serve. And as Christians, we're misers with that. We, uh, we don't like to give people that opportunity because we're so worried about what they're going to think about us. And I'm so tired of watching the ruin continue to happen. How would it be for you if someone was in your life and they were a trusted person and you knew that they loved you and they came up to you and, and, and they said, hey, in your life I'm seeing a lot of anger right now. And it doesn't seem right on you. It doesn't fit very well. And then maybe that person understands that, that anger that we have is actually fear. Anger is a secondary. Primary is fear. And you're afraid. What are you afraid of? Well, I'm, I'm afraid that you're going to find out that I don't have my act together. None of us do. Do you realize that? Somehow or other, there's a certain point where we get beyond, uh, out of high school, and suddenly we're an adult, and we look at other people and going, oh, well, they got their act together, so do they, so do they. I hope they don't know I don't. You don't have your act together. You're jacked up, just like me. In fact, I still want that sign out there. It says, only jacked up people welcome. Because if you think you have it all together... You're in the wrong place. You don't. You struggle just like us. Now, that doesn't mean that we haven't seen changed lives and growth and beauty and all of, all of that type of stuff. But there's this thing called the family secret, right? How many of you have a family secret? Maybe you didn't sit down around the table and have to talk about, don't you ever talk about this or we'll kill you. Maybe you didn't have that, but it's implied. It's implied you will be ostracized. Our relationship will be dead. Don't you dare talk about that. And it could be so obvious. Have you ever had a conversation with a drunk person? 
it's pretty obvious that they're hammered. And yet we can kind of pretend like it didn't happen. All we're doing is lying. We just lie to ourselves. You know, and if I'm busy lying to myself, how do I ever seek truth? How am I ever going to listen out there? I'm pretty passionate about this topic, obviously. You know, we've got a staff here with my wife Heidi and Pastor John, who is up here uh, giving announcements. Uh, we've been through a lot of stuff. We haven't been through everything, but the three of us have been through a lot of stuff. And we're not judgmental. And, and, and so don't be drunk with blank, whatever it is. You won't surprise us, but we'll be there to really uh, to, to pray with you, to help you, to, to guide you, to lead, to, to let the Holy Spirit be within our little community, and, and we want it so much to be better. If we stay with the topic of alcohol, I've watched many people, friends, and I'm proud of them, that stopped drinking. And they're the same person they were before. They just took away the alcohol. They're not stumbling around. They're not making really stupid purchases. And they're not smashing cars. That's good. And I'm really proud of that. But there's so much more. I've watched men in particular do this thing where there's a woman who finally has had enough and she is trying to resurrect the family. And so she goes to the Al-Anon. And, and it usually is women that come first because women have a substantially more courage than men. And they'll go first. And, and, and what is so powerful in that is they find a little bit of relief with that group of people. And then they go home and their husband is a coward. And he's jealous. He's going to suppose you just talked about me. And he does everything he can to keep her home. The man just needs to grow up a little bit and understand She's getting something that he's not. She's getting Jesus. The family secret aspect, I, I need you to hear what Scripture said. Visiting the iniquities of the father, that's the sins, that's the ism upon the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. If you are worshiping something other than God, you hate God. And at moments, I think, as, as, as humans, we all worship something else. Let's just get real. None of us are holy and perfect. So if we're going to break this cycle, it says children. You know, this is a family illness, this thing called sin. And none of us are ever going to be perfect. So, you know, these sins, the sins of the father, the sins of the mother, the sins of the uncle or the aunt, whatever it is. Okay, whoever's close in that relationship are going to be visited upon. How many times I can sit in counseling with someone and God's given me this really weird little gift. And some of you probably won't look me in the eye after this. But I can meet somebody and have a five-minute conversation and I just know they came from a devastatingly horrible alcoholic situation. I know it. And I'll say it. And I'll go, how did you know? Because your dad was an alcoholic and your grandpa was. Your dad was a control freak and your grandpa was. 
Your mom was a rageaholic and so was your grandma. And we can trace it back. And we look back not to blame but to understand. Scripture is truth. God has given us a warning. If you don't break this cycle, you're leaving it to the next generation. I don't want that on my gravestone. I really don't. He did great. He kept family secrets. He let fear rule his life to the point where he was willing to sacrifice the same pain upon his children. God tells us that's what's going to happen. Do you believe the scripture or not? See, you can be the most perfect parent in the world and have totally screwed up kids, right? You don't get to own that. You don't get to own that. I say that with hope because I have some screwed up kids. I have some that are beautiful and wonderful and some that just, like, don't have brains. (laughs) That's called comic relief. So this elephant's going to lay out there, and he's, you know, going to be tipped over for for a, a period of time. But it can get better. So I don't know what your blank is, you know. It it, it could be money, sex, power, prestige, anger, control, fear. It can be ministry. Seen it. It can be work. It can be your golf score. It can be your team that you root for. It can be betting. Whatever. We're endless. The list, I could stand here for seven hours and go through the list. They're all the same thing. They're all a different God. And we're trying to get filled. So let's figure out what scripture says. It says this, be filled with the Spirit. So all of that stuff that we're really trying to fill, this really blank, weird feeling that we don't like anybody else to know that we have, this loneliness or whatever it is, we're looking for a way to fill that up, and we can momentarily find things that will fill that up. But I'm talking about completeness. Be filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. That's what we're really craving. And so all of this little ruinness that happens throughout this group of people and the ones last night and the ones that will come next, we're all the same. Don't be afraid. We've all searched in the wrong place. We've all searched there. And, and, and the feeling out of it isn't one we want to share. Be filled with the Spirit. Instead, how do we do that? It's mystical. It's powerful. We, our promise that we will be indwelled with the Spirit. This is stuff that is beyond my brain. Okay, I don't get it, but I know it's real because I felt it. All right? I can't see the wind, but I can feel it. I can't see the Spirit, but I see the Spirit working in your life and in my life. Being indwelled. Christ promised us that the Spirit would indwell. There's a promise in AA. It says we'll intuitively know how to handle problems which used to baffle us. Get that? We intuitively know. That means inside, just like second nature, how how to breathe. How to handle problems that used to baffle us. That's the Spirit. The Spirit compels us to uh, show up. The Spirit compels us to show beauty and look for beauty and encourage beauty. 
And it, 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 it shows us to have compassion on those that are lost, that are still trying to figure out the path. And, and then those that have found Jesus and are indwelled with the Holy Spirit that are still totally confused and leading ruinous lives, that, that's okay, you're so welcome here, I want you here. But, but the Spirit will lead us to answers or guide us to the right people. Here's the one caveat that's kind of hard, especially in today's world. And I'm going to say it because I believe it. I'm going to say it because I have faith in it. In order to have the Holy Spirit indwell in you, you must be a Christian. You must be a Christian. Is there an amen in this crowd anywhere? Because this is, this is key. So then, you know, here's the confusing part. It's like, well, you know, I kind of think I might be, but I'm not really sure. Uh, is there a test? How do I figure this out? Because I want that. I want that goodness that comes out of this transformation of life, this transformation of thought and attitude. I want things to be better. I want to be better. Where's the test? Here's the hardest part. It's faith. Faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't need to memorize scripture. You don't have to live a holy life. You don't have to uh, tithe a certain amount. You don't have to you know, attend church a certain amount of time. There's not a test. You have faith. You know, it says that the greatest of us, if we had faith of a mustard seed, we could move mountains. So that means my faith, your faith is less than that because I haven't seen any of you move mountains because we're not going to talk about owning excavating equipment. Okay. Faith that Christ died for you. Faith that he rose and defeated Satan's sin and death. He defeated Satan. He defeated sin, your sin, my sin. He defeated all of it, past, present, future. And he rose and went away and he's coming back. And we get questions every now and then. Are you pre-trip, post-trip? I don't care. You know, that, that's great if you want to study that. I have no issue with it. But all I know is he wins. Whatever happens, happens. I'm not in control of that. So these little blanks that we had, let's try our best to replace it with the Spirit. If control is an issue that is driving you and your loved ones nuts around you, because I will tell you, control freaks, you are blatantly obvious. You might as well walk around with a sign. It says, control, control, control. And you absolutely have control over one thing. You have no control over people, places, and things. You have control only over yourself. And even that seems to be, at least in my experience, an impossible task. Now, we don't have much time left. I haven't swore yet. Um, Comic relief. You guys get this, right? We need to surrender. So people will come up to me and say, Tim, how long have you been sober? You know, I'm really impressed. Don't be impressed. I'm a, I'm a jerk. Just this struggling little critter running around. Uh, I woke up at 8 o'clock. I don't know what time it is now. So two hours. Got two hours of sobriety. 
I got this day. So I don't get to live in the past. And I don't worry about tomorrow. I want to be indwelled with the Spirit at this moment. And if there's something going on in your life, I'm going to encourage you. Take a card. Write it down. Bring it home. Have it for you. Put it on your fridge. I don't care. If you need to cover it up because you don't want other people to see it, that's fine. If you want to, I want to I'm going to ask you to either put it in the offering bucket or give it to the hub. It does not have to have your name on it. But what if you start with acknowledging that it exists and that we stop pretending like it doesn't? If you bow your heads, I'm going to ask you just in this little contemplative moment before the band comes out and we do some more worship. In this contemplative moment, I, I, I want you to think about there's a couple songs coming up and they're going to apply. I want you to think, is there something ruinous? Did you know that there was a time in my life where it was ruinous and I didn't even recognize it? I needed intervention. I needed those who loved me and couldn't take the pain of watching me destroy everything to point it out. Are you willing? There's this freedom. If you're not a Christian, it's really easy. All you need to do is say, Jesus said, I believe. I believe. That's it. But he's also given us this bit of scripture of don't be foolish, be wise. The days are evil. The days are short. The change doesn't need to happen a year from now. It needs to happen now. So if you have that picture in your head, maybe of that blank, maybe it stays blank, I don't know. But maybe you put something there. You allow the spirit to fill that blank. And then you have courage. Pray for courage. You have courage to ask for help. Let's deflate this elephant and keep it away.